Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Thank you, everybody. I'm, I'm so glad you're here tonight. What we're going to be doing on Wednesday nights, again, is focusing on the Word of God, uh, letting that be the source of where our belief system is formed. There's, there's too many people um, in churches that have ideas about things, and usually they're just man-made, and they're the result of opinion or the result of tradition, and then you find out that the Word of God says something very, very different and we don't want to ever be walking around having a, a belief system or faith based on something that's not accurate, that's not in the Word of God. And especially this topic has been like hijacked by the world. And most Christians have more of a worldly concept of what an angel is than what the Bible says. And so you go like, I'll never forget, there used to be a store in the mall over here. I don't think it's there anymore. You know, they, stores go in and out of the mall like, I thought it was here yesterday, it's gone. And so there used to be a store there that specifically had all these statues of angels. And they all looked so wispy and all like these wonderful Victoria's Secret nightgowns that they'd wear and all this other frilly stuff that none of it was accurate. And, 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 and the, the, the concept really is, if we're going to get into the word here, um, the angels that we see in the Bible are very different than what we see portrayed in our culture. And, you know, people think that, you know, an angel, if an angel appeared to you, it would be like this glorious, uh, you know, comforting, and, you know, like you see these long blonde hair and all this other stuff. But most of the time in the Bible, angels, and I'm going to get into this in a little while, angels, the first thing they would have to say when they met a human was, don't be afraid. <laughs> Which, why would you have to say, don't be afraid, unless they're, the very sight of them struck terror in the hearts of individuals. See, we have these pictures of, of them being these fat little babies with wings and, you know, blowing little heart-shaped bubbles. And the fact of the matter is that, that most of the angels that are portrayed, uh, revealed in the Word of God, are warring angels. I mean, they're mean. They're like, you know, they'll cut you in two in two seconds and not think about it, you know. So um, let's get into the Word. Again, we're going to have, with these next three weeks, we're going to study this topic. And... Um, I'm going to do my best to stay on course so that we stay on the topic and finish what we want to do. But I do like the idea of having a little bit extra time that if I do sense like we need to go, maybe spend a minute or two in another topic that we can do that. Amen? Amen. First of all, how many are grateful for the Word of God? How many of you realize that it's life to us? Amen. That is the source of all wisdom to us is the Word. I want to start off tonight and start this series off with a story that I found very interesting. As a woman named, the full name is not given, it's, her first name is D, whatever that name is, I don't know, Baylor, entered the hospital in 1994 with acute pain from a fibroid tumor the size of a grapefruit in her uterus. The surgery was successful, but more complicated than expected, and her troubles weren't over. She recalls how she was in horrible pain, and that she had had an allergic reaction to the morphine she was given and the doctors tried to counteract it with other medications. This made a bad experience even worse. She had just had major surgery, and now she was dealing with the pain of an acute drug reaction. After receiving more pain medication, she was able to sleep for a few hours. This is her testimony. 
I awoke in the middle of the night. According to the wall clock, it was 2.45. I heard someone speaking and realized someone was at my bedside. It was a young woman with short brown hair wearing a hospital staff uniform. She was sitting and reading aloud from the Bible, and I said to her, am I all right? Why are you here with me? The woman visiting Baylor stopped reading but did not look up. She, sim she simply said, I was sent here to make sure that you'd be all right. You were going to be fine. Now you should get some, some rest and go back to sleep. And she began to read again, and I drifted off back to sleep. The next morning, she explained the experience to her doctor, who checked and said that no staff had visited overnight. She asked all of the nurses, and no one knew of this visitor. To this day, she says, I believe that I was visited by my guardian angel that night. She was sent to comfort me and to assure me that I would be okay. Coincidentally, the time on the clock that night, 2.45 a.m., is the exact time recorded on my birth certificate that I was born. So, take it for what it's worth, but we know many, many, many individuals uh, all throughout history. Uh, some of us in this room have had experiences with angels. And so, um, let's, let's get into the word now. Amen? So, I've chosen to call this series Angel, Angels, God's Supernatural Secret Agents, because most of the time, we're not aware of an angel's presence until after the whole situation has happened. Then you look back and you go, wait a second. My wife has told the story many times of something that happened to us many years ago when our boys were, were, were young, were like elementary school age. Uh, we were in very desperate situation financially, and it was Christmas time. And um, she had gone out shopping to uh, one of the stores on Route 37 there in Toms River and um, came out and some, a woman, it was a woman, right, that approached you, Barb? Uh, this woman approached her and said, come with me. And surprisingly, my wife, who normally wouldn't do anything like that, said, the woman said to her, I have something for you. And she brought her to a car, opened up the trunk, and it was loaded with toys for just specifically for the age group that our boys were. And so she helped her transport the toys to our car. My wife turns around, and she vanished. She was gone. Nowhere to be found. So I believe that many of us have had experiences like this. Sometimes we're aware of it. Sometimes we're not. The Bible does say in the New Testament that we're going to entertain angels unaware of the fact that they've been angels. Amen? So the term angel simply means a messenger or an ambassador, okay? Uh, it's mentioned, the word angel is mentioned 280 times in the New King James Version. Angels have been created by God to be his messengers or his ambassadors. Uh, they are representatives. I want, you, I want you to hear this now. I want you to get a good grasp on this. They are representatives of the kingdom of God in the unseen realm. They represent the unseen realm. You and I, however, we were representatives of the kingdom of God in the seen realm, okay? So get a hold of that, because we both, both angels and we, as human beings, have responsibilities in the kingdom of God that we're supposed to carry out. Angels are neither human nor deity. Uh, deity, in order for, for, for us to classify an angel as deity, in other words, equal to God, they would have to be eternal. They're not. They have a point of origin. Angels were created. They are created beings, and we understand that. God has no beginning and no end. You realize that, okay? And, and the reason I say this, and one of the reoccurring themes that I hope to get across during this series is 
The fact that we're not to worship angels. We're not to make a big deal out of them. We're not to request them to come to appear to us. Many people have opened themselves up to the realm of the demonic by trying to uh, solicit angels. In other words, if God knows you need one, he knows where you are, he knows how to get one to you. Okay, don't go looking for them. Don't go, you know, uh, requesting and, and doing these things because the enemy has angels also. And we'll, we'll get into that at some point in, uh, in this series. So because they have a point of origin, they cannot be create, considered deity. They are created beings. They do have a point of beginning. Now, they will live in an everlasting type situation just like we do as we enter into salvation. Um, angels always will be from this point, okay? Even the angels that followed Satan, they will continue and do continue, even though the Bible teaches that they're locked away at a place to be revealed at a later time. But eventually, they will suffer um, everlasting torment. Uh, you got that, okay? All right, good. All right, so they don't have flesh and bones as humans do. They are identified as spirits. And we can point to uh, their, their uh, origin is referred to in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. I'm going to read to you from the Amplified. For it was in him, speaking of Christ, that all things were created in heaven and on earth, things seen and things unseen, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. Don't let those throw you. I'll explain what that is. All things were created and exist through him by his service, intervention, and in him and for him. So this, this scripture is talking about Christ was present at creation, um, you know, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, you, you remember, right, the Trinity. And so uh, that, the angels were created during that time before the creation of, of the universe, okay? So the, the terms that I use there, um, if you look at the screen, thrones, dominions, rulers, or authorities, those are rankings of angels. There is a hierarchy uh, there is, if you want to call it a bureaucracy, there are rankings of angels. You know, like we have archangels. We have the archangel Michael, the archangel Gabriel. Okay, are you rem you're familiar with those terms? Okay, there's the highest ranking of angels. Okay, Lucifer, before he fell and became Satan, was uh, the third of the archangels. Okay, the, 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 it was archangel Gabriel, archangel Michael, and um, Lucifer. Gabriel, actual Gabriel's name means messenger of God. So it's not really a term, it's more of a, a title. And uh, Michael, and we may get to this, uh, how many of you were, were or still are Roman Catholics? Let me see. At one time, you were Roman Catholic. Okay. All right. So, well, we were told and taught about St. Michael. Do you remember that? Okay. I remember St. Michael. Well, St. Michael couldn't have been St. Michael because Michael's an, an angel. So, but if you know, you know, when you went to Catholic church, I know when I went to Catholic church, you know, St. Michael is usually portrayed as an angel with wings, with a sword in his hand, shield in his hand, slaying a dragon. And that, the reason that that statue kind of came about was that Michael has a very specific responsibility among the archangels, okay? Um, the archangel Michael you don't see in the scriptures except for the book of Daniel, okay? And there's a reason for that because the responsibility that Michael has is for one group of individuals on this earth, alone. He is the archangel that his, his, his responsibility is to guard over, to protect the nation of Israel and God's people. Amen? 
So you don't, you don't see Michael being sent to bring a message. You see Gabriel being sent. I'm getting ahead of myself, but it's okay, right? All right. So uh, the number of angels was fixed at creation. There are no more angels being born. There's no little baby angels, okay? Uh, angels are not reproducing other angels. Whatever number of angels was created in the beginning of creation is the same amount of angels that are here today, or, or in existence today, I should say. Now, you realize that two-thirds of the angels are still with God. One-third of the angels chose to follow Lucifer. You, you recognize that, right? Okay. I don't want to get into that right now, but we will talk about what happened to those angels and where they are and what their story is, okay? So, again, they don't reproduce. <clears throat> they don't die. Um, their number was fixed in creation, so they only have one specific number, Lucifer, Satan, only has a specific number of angels at his disposal, okay? So people wonder sometimes, how comes one person gets attacked, another person doesn't get attacked? It's because Lucifer, Satan, does not have an innumerable amount of angels as God does. God has way more angels at his disposal than, than Satan has. And so Satan is very particular because when you have limited forces, you don't just send them to do anything. You spe you're specific about how you're going to use them, Amen. All right, so let's look at a scripture here in Matthew 22 where Jesus talks about angels and uh, kind of uses them as a reference point. And so in Matthew 22, verse 23, the same day the Sadducees, who say there's no resurrection, came to him and asked him, saying, Teacher, Moses said that if a man dies, having no children, his brother shall marry his wife and raise up offspring for his brother. Now there were with us seven brothers. The first died. After he had married, having no offspring, left, uh, left his wife to his brother. Likewise, the second and also the third, even to the seventh. In other words, every one of them married this woman. None of them had children. They all died, and finally she dies. Verse 27 says, last of all, the woman died also. Therefore, in the resurrection, whose wife of the seven will she be? For they, for they all had her. Jesus answered and said to them, you are mistaken, not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. Now, let me stop right there before I get to that final verse. Don't just read the scriptures. Don't just be somebody who memorizes scripture or familiar with scripture. Be a student of the word and understand this. The Holy Spirit never puts words in the scripture without them having any purpose. He's not like us, like when we had to do a book report when you were a kid in school. You write lengthy paragraphs, and you'll add all kinds of fill words, because the teacher said you got to have at least five paragraphs, right? So you use 20 adjectives. You, you, you'll just keep going on. The Holy Spirit doesn't do that. So let's go back to this, because do you mind while we're going through things that I point out some stuff that, that we'll learn? Okay? All right. So now let's go back to the beginning of that verse, the beginning of that scripture. Verse 23, the same day, the who? Sadducees. Sadducees who say there is no resurrection. Understand what the, what, the, what the scenario was during Jesus' time. You had two main groups of, actually three groups of individuals in Judaism. You had the Essenes, which were like hermits, and they stayed in the desert. They never went into Jerusalem because they considered Jerusalem corrupt. They considered the priesthood corrupt. These were the Puritans. These were the pilgrims of the Jews. They stayed in the desert. These are the people who raised John the Baptist. Okay? Um, the Dead Sea Scrolls, anybody familiar with the Dead Sea Scrolls that were found back in the late 1940s? And you can go to a museum and, and check them out, and they're authentic. They were the ones who wrote those, those scrolls. 
uh, put them aside. Uh, when the Romans came to destroy Jerusalem in 70 AD, they hid all of their writings. They hid these scrolls in, in many different caves, and those caves were discovered in the late, I believe it was 1948, and uh, we have them to this day. Now, the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. You have the Essenes, who are purists, legalists, just letter of the law. Then you have the Pharisees, which Pharisees would take a commandment that was this big and make it this big so that when they accomplished it, it made them look even more holy. Now, the Pharisees knew how many steps they could take on the Sabbath. The Pharisees knew exactly what to eat, what not to eat, all these other things, and so they were very ritualistic. Then you had the Sadducees. Now, although there were way more Pharisees during Jesus' time, it was the Sadducees that controlled everything. The Sadducees worked together with the Romans. The people did not like them. The Sadducees were appointed by the Romans, and so they had a close relationship with them. They did not believe in anything supernatural. They didn't believe in angels. They didn't believe in miracles. They, did, they, were, your, they were basically your secularists. They didn't believe in anything. Okay, So mark that and put it like in the back of your head, because when you read through the scriptures, you'll see that the writers of the Gospels will always mention so-and-so a Pharisee, so-and-so a Sadducee. Why? So that you can understand why the position they're taking now. As the Sadducees, they would try to trick Jesus and mock Jesus, and that's what they're doing in this portion of Scripture. They're mocking him. They made up this story about this guy who lived with seven brothers and, this, and the wives and all this other stuff because they don't believe in the resurrection. They're trying to trick, trick Jesus about the resurrection. Okay, are you getting this? All right, so, so Jesus answered and said to him, you are mistaken not knowing the scriptures. Why? Because the scriptures teach resurrection. The scriptures teach about angels. The scriptures teach about the miraculous and the supernatural. So he's saying to them, the reason you are the way you are is because you don't know what you're talking about. You really don't know the word of God, okay? So he says to them, you're mistaken, not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. Now, it's interesting that he said that, nor the power of God, because Paul picks up in Romans chapter 1, he says, well, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of, of Jesus Christ, for it is, it is the power of God unto salvation. So basically, Jesus, if I could put it this way without sounding blasphemies, just shoved it right in their face and said, you're mistaken, you don't know what you're talking about because you don't know the scriptures, and if you don't know the scriptures, you've never experienced the power of God. Are you getting this? So, so, so let's make sure we know the what? Scriptures. All right, good. Verse 30, for in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels of God in heaven. Now, let me give you that last verse in the Amplified Bible, verse 30. For in the resurrected state, neither do men marry, nor are women given in marriage, but they are like the angels in heaven. Now, that one verse has led to so much misunderstanding about angels. And that's why you'll go to a funeral sometimes, and, and I, hope to, I, hope I'm not, I hope I'm not opening up any wounds for anybody here, but that's why you go to a funeral and say, well, you know, God needed another angel. No, that's not scriptural. And especially when it talks about babies. Especially when, when somebody, when they lose a baby or, or a miscarriage or, you know, well, you know, God just needs another angel in his garden. That's ridiculous. God would never kill a baby to bring it to heaven. First of all, he's got all the angels he's ever going to need. Okay? We say, well, you know, the scripture says we're going to be like angels. No. We're going to be like angels in the context of we don't marry in heaven. 
We don't, we don't reproduce in heaven, okay? Any marrying is going to take place, any reproduction is going to take place, it's got to happen here. You, you catching this? So if you've entertained those kind of thoughts, because, and listen to me, listen, this can get serious, okay? Uh, I have personally have had to sit and pray with individuals that have opened themselves up to demonic influence over this topic because they'll lose a loved one. And, and honestly, the enemy tried to use this in my life very, very early on when I was a young man. They'll uh, lose a loved one who was very, very close to you. And then, and then you start entertaining the idea, well, now they're an angel. They're, they're, and please don't say this. It's an insult to God. They're watching over me from heaven. No, no, no. No. They're not doing that. Now, if you keep entertaining those kind of things and you keep, well, you know, I had a dream and, you know, this person came to me in a dream. Um, God can speak to you in your spirit. God can speak to you through the word. He doesn't need to send somebody who has died to you in your dream. But it was so real. Of course it was real. The enemy is very good at fashioning counterfeits and imposters. Do not open yourself up to that kind of stuff. If you've lost a loved one, be content. If they were saved, that they're in the presence of God. They're in your future. They're not in your past. You remember that? So don't let the enemy trap you with grief and bring you back memories of what it used to be. You're going to have all eternity with them when you get to heaven. They are in your future. Turn to somebody and say, your loved ones are in your future. You got it? Because the enemy will use your emotional tie to those individuals to try to get you to open yourself up to evil spirits, to demonic activity. Are you getting this? All right. So they were created before the natural world. And I'm going to go to the book of Job, verse 38. God is speaking to Job. And I don't have time tonight to go into the whole context of that, of that, of that, that book of the Bible. And God is pretty much correcting Job for an attitude that he was starting to get. And, um, and also to the people that came to supposedly comfort him and really just uh, came to condemn him and bring him, put him in the position of guilt. Um, so, so God has to, at some point, intervene on the scene. He's got to rebuke Job. He has got to correct Job. And you hear it in language. Job chapter 38, verse 4. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Who determined its dimensions, stretching out the surveying line? What supports its foundations and who laid its quarters? In other words, where were you when I made all this? Mr. Know-it-all, where were you? And verse 7 says, as the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. So we know here from Scripture now that the angels existed before the foundation of the earth. The angels existed in the realm of the spirit. The angels existed in the realm where God resides before God spoke the universe into existence. Are you listening? So get a hold of this, okay? The Bible does tell us that they are created supernaturally in order to function supernaturally. Uh, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 13 tells us that they are ministering spirits. Let's talk about this. What does it mean to be a minister? Now, in our Western mindset here, especially um, in Europe and, and in, in America, uh, when a person steps into a position somewhat like I'm in, or let's say Pastor Matt or Pastor Jerry or, or, or any of the, Pastor Beth, any of the, the staff ministers, ministers. Uh, in our context, in our culture, that has become a term of almost honor. But that's not the way the Bible teaches it. 
A minister is a servant. A minister is a servant. Are you catching this? A minister is a servant. I'll never forget one day early on when we first started the church, somebody very well-meaning, because back then we were a portable church, so I had a briefcase with all my stuff in there. and it wasn't, I didn't have an office anywhere. We used to go meet in the school. And all of a sudden, this person came behind me and grabbed my briefcase. I'm like, what are you, what are you doing? That's mine. Well, I'm going to carry it for you. Why? Well, you're the pastor. And? Give me my briefcase. I'm not going to have this congregation see me walking and you behind me with a briefcase in mind. Give me that briefcase. Are you listening? We're servants. If you're aspiring to the ministry, you better aspire to be a servant. You better be willing to go start cleaning the toilets first. Oh, that really sifts everybody out. So the Bible tells us, in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 13, God speaking, the Holy Spirit speaking through the writer here, but to which of the angels has he, God, ever said, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool? Verse 14 is where I want you to hone in on. Are they, talking about angels, are they not all ministering spirits? Look at, look, at, look at what they're here for. Read this with me out loud. Ready? One, two, three. Sent forth to minister to those who will inherit salvation. Let me ask you a question right now. How many people in here are going to inherit salvation? Just the rest of you don't know. How many of you here expect to step into everlasting life? Oh, you got it better that time, huh? So then who are these angels sent to? Us us. Now, they're not sent to us to dazzle us in the middle of the night. They're not sent to us to perform tricks. They're sent to us specifically. Protection and provision. Say, well, what about messengers? Well, you don't see that too much in the New Testament. Why? There's a big difference. In the Old Testament, you see the angels coming constantly to bring messages to people, yes? Okay. But you don't see that in the New Testament, very rarely. Why? In the Old Testament, we didn't have the Holy Spirit on the inside. So God had to either send a prophet or send an angel. But now, you and I have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us, yes or no? Yes. Turn to somebody say, he's in there. He's there. So now, how are, we, how are we, and this is where people get messed up. This is where born-again, spirit-filled New Testament Christians get messed up. They're looking to activate what was in the Old Testament instead of uh, just settling in on what God has provided for us as children of God. You now have, if you're born again, listen, you now have the Holy Spirit living inside you. And the Bible teaches us in the book of Romans that our spirit bears witness with the Holy Spirit that we are children of God, Okay. Uh, see, over and over again, you see in the Old Testament, the hand of the Lord or the Spirit of the Lord came upon so-and-so. You don't see that in the New Testament. Why? The Holy Spirit's already in us. He's in us. He's not, he's not, he's not falling on us. That's Old Testament, okay? Now, sometimes we'll use that kind of figurative language and we'll say, you know, we're in a service and just the anointing fell on the place. Well, it really didn't fall. It rises up. Because the anointing's in here. Listen, church, the anointing's in here. 
Don't be looking for it. Well, maybe if we shout enough, maybe if we sing enough, maybe if we jump enough. No, that's the, that's the, that's the worshipers of Baal in the Old Testament. Try to get their God's attention by cutting themselves and shouting six hours at a time. You listening? Big difference between Old Testament and New Testament. You got the Holy Ghost in you. And if he's going to speak to you, guess what? He speaks to you. The Holy Spirit will speak to your spirit. You then will pick it up in your, in your soul. Are you, are you getting this? It's going to save you a lot of trouble. I've seen so many, in 35 years, I have seen so many Christians get in trouble. I told you the story many years ago. Well, I love this. I can take my time. Are, are you getting anything tonight? Are you enjoying this tonight? Good. Many, many years ago, when we first started the church, we had a general, I, I had a group of people in the church that came from another church and they kept pestering me that I had to have this guest speaker come. And you know, I, we didn't have a lot of guest speakers in the beginning. We didn't, hardly any, because I felt like the congregation needed to know their pastor first before you start bringing in other people. So then I finally, about a year and a half later after we started the church, I, I kind of caved, I gave in. I said, all right, let's bring this person in. And uh, this guy couldn't preach his, his way out of a paper bag. I can't even tell you what he talked that night. But he put on a big show. Now, I'm not blaming the man. The guy's in heaven now. God bless him. He went home to be with the Lord. But I'll explain to you why he did what he did. The Spirit of God's telling me, you're going to Romania. You're going to Bulgaria. You're going to South Africa. You're going, uh, where do you want to go? Canada? Uh, You're going to Mars. You're going to Jupiter. You're going to Saturn. Everybody in the congregation, at that time the church was young, we were less than 100 people. Everybody's going someplace. Everybody. Now, we all knew it, was, it wasn't true. But what if we would have had somebody in that church that was not spiritually alert and not spiritually mature? They could have got off. You see? I went and asked every one of the individuals that I could, has the Lord ever spoken to you that you're going to South Africa? No. So this came out of left field? No. Don't go get your passport. You're not going anywhere. Why? Now watch this now. Now this has a lot to do with angels because people will say, oh, an angel spoke to me or an angel appeared to me. I remember one person always had angels appearing in her backyard. We just talked, you just gave me a report from this individual tonight. Every time she went in the backyard, there was an angel waiting for her. Now, Now I got a problem with that. I don't know about you. Because if he's in the backyard, he should be folding the clothes or taking the clothes off. <laughs> but listen, here's another thing. Please, please listen to me. Please be aware. Please walk in the wisdom of the word. There is something going on right now with people, uh, in international and nationally known people who are supposed to be prophets. And every day they get another word from God. I don't understand that because in the Bible, a person would get a word from God and they wouldn't get another word for 10, 15, 20 years. Are you listening to me? So what's happened all of a sudden now? I think people just, they prophesy out of their heads. They prophesy, especially if it's something good, you know. Uh, Thus saith the Lord, God's gonna bless you and God loves you. Well, yeah, I know that. I can read the Bible to get that. <laughs> Beware of this stuff, okay? Beware of this stuff. Number one, Getting back to the original point, you have the Holy Spirit in you. If God is going to speak to you, he'll speak to you. Now, watch this. Here's a scenario that's much more accurate. I know we we got off on the angel thing, but you know what? This needed to be dealt with, okay? Are you you listening? 
Okay. Now, let's say God spoke something to you. Now, in my case, the Lord spoke to me that this church was going to come into existence in the spring of 1994. I didn't go take out a billboard. I didn't go put it in the newspaper. We didn't have internet at the time. I told my wife, and I told maybe one other person that was it. But then, months later, people had no idea would come up to me and say, I feel like the Spirit of God's telling me that you're going to be a pastor soon. Now, did that come out of left field for me? No, I already knew. So what was that activity? That was not, that was not an announcement. That was a confirmation. And that's how the Spirit of God operates in the New Testament. Are you listening to me? I got to come over on this side because these people get it's too preferential treatment over here. Are you listening to me? If God speaks something to you, and listen to me, the more spectacular it is, the more you got to keep your mouth shut. Okay? You hide that in your heart, just like Mary did. Remember? You remember? When Mary's in the temple, they're dedicating Jesus. And Simon, uh, Simeon came up and spoke some things. Then uh, Anna, the prophetess, came up. And it says, and she hid these things in her heart. You notice she didn't go all through the streets of Jerusalem shouting, my son is the son of God? Okay? She kept them in her heart. When God speaks something to you, you keep it in your heart. Then he may send someone to, to prophesy, to, to confirm. But when something comes to you and it's completely out of left field and you had no inkling on the inside, thank you very much. Thank you. Take it. Put it on the shelf. Leave it there. Leave it there. Too many people have shipwrecked their lives chasing after words that did not come from God, chasing after angels that were not angels of God but angels of light. Okay, so we know that uh, angels are ministering spirits, and the ministers are what? You, you see, you didn't get the point cl- uh, uh, strong enough. Ministers are what? Servants. 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 Okay? I don't care three-piece suit or not, servants. All right? So, and who are they supposed to serve? Us. Us. Those that are inheriting salvation. They are on duty for us. I don't doubt right now that if we could see into the realm of the Spirit, that we would see innumerable angels in this room right now. And I've had people come up and tell me when I've ministered in the past and said, we we saw angels behind you on the platform. Good. You needed to see them. I know you're here. (laughs) So in the Bible, God tells us of how the angels are delivering messages how they uh, uh, accompany the lonely in the scriptures, how they grant protection, and even how they fight battles. And again, as I said before, in many angelic appearances told in the Bible, angels who were sent to deliver messages usually begin their words with, do not fear or do not be afraid. Why? Because they look so different than what you and I have, have been exposed to and how Hollywood has portrayed them. And even religious um, uh, art throughout the years, especially the Renaissance period, how they pictured angels. It's just, um, I, I, I've spoken to some people who have seen them. And they could be normal human being size. Others have, have reported angels that are two and three stories tall. I guess whatever you need them to be, that's how they show up. So um, get this idea out of your head. 
that they're, they're just floating around with harps. Uh, many times you see angels in the scriptures. I mean, one of the first uh, mention of an angel in scripture uh, is in the Garden of Eden. Now, you see, you say, well, it doesn't say angel. It says seraphim or cherubim or something like that. Those are titles of angels. And the ones that God posted to the Garden of Eden had flaming swords. What would you do right now if one of them showed up in here? I'd have a conversation. Now, you'd be on the floor with your face in the carpet, just pleading, don't strike me down, please. Most of the time, however, God's angels do operate undercover. They don't draw attention to themselves as they carry out the assignment that's been given them by God. Uh, there are cases where these heavenly beings have identified themselves and other times when they have remained hidden behind the scenes. They are very powerful. Again, remember, there's different rankings of angels. And so there's angels that deliver messages, and then there's angels that fight battles and protect. And, and there's an incident in the scriptures in the, in the Old Testament um, in Isaiah, in the book of Isaiah, chapter 37, it's reported that during the time of the prophet Isaiah, the king of Assyria sent his army um, under the command of his next in charge to carry out the assignment to go and surround the city of Jerusalem. After this, this person, Ribshakeh, his name was a government official, mocked God, blasphemed his name. The king of Jerusalem, king, uh, the king of Judah, rather, King Hezekiah, went to the temple and just poured his heart out to God, prayed to God to rescue the city. The prophet Isaiah steps up and predicts, he prophesies that not one arrow would be shot in this battle. Now, mind you, this army had conquered many, many, many cities on the way to Jerusalem. None of the, none of the other armies were able to overcome them. And Isaiah 37, verse 36, verse 36 says, Then the angel of the Lord went out, and killed in the camp of the Assyrians, watch this, 185,000 in one night. And when the people arose early in the morning, there were corpses all around. One angel, one angel did that. One angel wiped out 185,000 people. And God created innumerable numbers of angels. Do you remember when they were arresting Jesus? And he said, I could call on my father and he would send me thousands and thousands of angels. But he chose not to because he was supposed to suffer for us. He was supposed to die in our place. He was supposed to suffer all those things on our behalf. Now, there's a story that took place in 1960. In Africa, in the nation of Kenya in 1960, there was an uprising by a tribe called the Mau Mau. These missionaries, Matt and Laura Higgins, were returning one night to Nairobi, which is the capital of Kenya, in the heart of Mount Mount territory, where Kenyans and missionaries alike had been killed and dismembered. 17 miles outside of Nairobi, their Land Rover stopped. Higgins tried to repair the car in the dark, but could not restart it. They spent the night in the car, but claimed Psalm 4.8, I will lie down and sleep in peace, for you alone, O Lord, Make me dwell in safety. In the morning, they were able to repair the car. A few weeks later, the Higginses returned to America 
on furlough because you know missionaries sometimes will come home uh, to come home to visit family to raise funds and then go back out. So in this one time when they report when they uh, returned to America, they reported that the night before they left Nairobi to go to America, a local pastor had visited them. He told how a member of the Mau Mau had converted, had received Christ, and confessed that he and three others had crept up to the car to kill the Higginses. But when they saw the 16 men surrounding the car, the Mau Mau left in fear. 16 men, Higgins responded. I don't know what you mean. While they were in America here, a friend of theirs, a man named Clay Brent, asked the Higginses if they had been in any danger recently. Higgins asked why. Clay said, on March 23rd, God had placed a heavy prayer burden on his heart, and he called the men of the church, and 16 of them met together and prayed until that burden lifted. We're going to talk about this over the next couple weeks, how angels respond when we speak the word of God. Amen? So, We've got a little bit of time left. Let's talk about what angels do. Let's talk about, and this is what I want to really, really, I want you to really, really listen to me, please. Uh, I want you to really get a hold of this because, you see, we can learn from angels. I don't mean they're going to sit there, they're going to teach us. That's not the function of an angel. But we can learn from their example. And I, what I want to hone in on tonight is their example in worship, in worship. Revelation chapter 5, verse 11 says, Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. <laughs> verse 12, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. This is the worship that is coming from the mouth of these angels. Revelation chapter 7, verse 11. All the angels stood around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God. What did they do? Worship God. Saying, amen, blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever, amen. And one of the most important things that we can learn from angels in regarding their action and attitude as it pertains to worship. Let's look at a couple of these things, okay? I want to read you an excerpt from an article that I read in a magazine, Christian magazine, Charisma magazine. Many of you are familiar with Charisma magazine. The first thing we can learn from angels regarding worship is that, watch this now, that angels adore God alone. They, they're not like us. They do not have the mechanism within them to be drawn away, to, to worship idols or to worship other things, okay? Uh, we can get distracted. Angels don't get distracted. They are on a mission. They've been created for this specific purpose, to be servants unto us, but their priority is to worship God and worship God alone. The prophet Isaiah was given to see with spiritual eyes what's going on in heaven all the time. And the author says, I cannot deny feeling envious of Isaiah. He says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood, stood the seraphim, type of angel. Each one had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two wings, they flew. One cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Now, the prophet Isaiah was given an opportunity 
to see into heaven, to see into the realm of the spirit. The prophet Isaiah lived on the earth approximately 700 years before Jesus appears. 700 years. So that would be what? 2,700 years ago. Yes? 2,700 years ago, Isaiah got a glimpse into what was going on in heaven. Do you want to know something? 2,700 years later, those angels are still rotating around the throne, crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. That is still what's going on in heaven. Worship, worship. Now, you wonder why when we come together and worship? Do you wonder why when we put all our needs aside, when we we put away all the distractions, when we just allow our hearts to open up and, and sing and worship God, that the presence of God shows up so strong sometimes? So important, so important. Make sure that you develop a, a habit of, of worship. Everything that is done by angels is done out of love for God. Whatever feelings angel may have for us, because they, they are our servants, they're, they're sent to, to serve us, to protect us, to provide for us. Are you listening? Whatever feelings they have for us, whatever, whatever affection they may develop for us, their priority, watch this, their priority is the glory of God. You see in the Old Testament when people were disrespectful of the glory of God, somebody dies. Now, I'm not saying it should happen today, but we should have a little bit more reverence sometimes than what we have. We should have a little bit more honor, a little bit more respect for the presence of God, for the things of God. I hope you're listening. The angel, I'm quoting this author again. The angel standing over you is on God's side. He is a messenger, he is for you, but he adores God alone, and nothing will ever divert him from that loyalty. I remember uh, Brother Hagen. Uh, many of you know that my wife and I and many other people on staff, my family members, attended Raymond, Raymond Bible Training Center, Raymond Bible College in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, Brother Hagen uh, said one time, uh, Rick, uh, Jen, I don't know if you remember him telling the story. One of the times that the Lord Jesus appeared to him, he said, he saw the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, as if I, like I'm seeing you. And next to him was an angel that did, never looked at Brother Hagen, always looked at Jesus. Are you listening? He said, never, never looked at Brother Hagen, but looked at Jesus. And Brother Hagen finally said, Lord, who is this standing next to you? He said, he's your angel. But watch, he wasn't looking at Brother Hagen, who had been assigned to. His eyes were continually beholding the glory of God. Are you catching this? Bless you. So the second thing that we want to look at as far as worship goes with the angels is that angels refuse to be worshipped. Now, many of us in our ignorance, back in the old church, we fell for some of these things. We didn't know any better. Lit candles to the statues and all this other kind of stuff. But angels refused to be worshipped, okay? Uh, when John was given his revelation on the Isle of Patmos, you know, the book of, where he wrote the book of Revelation, he fell at the feet of an angel. And Revelation 19.10 says, I fell at his feet to worship him, 
But he, the angel, said to me, John, see that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and of your brothers who hold the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So an angel, no matter how spectacular they would appear to us, no matter how supernatural they are, a true angel of God would never receive worship because they know that worship is due to God the Father alone. Are you catching this? Okay. Yeah, we want to make sure that our belief system is based on the word of God. And then John makes the same mistake again in Revelation chapter 22, verse 8. And he got the same reaction. But he said to me, see that you do not do this, for I am your fellow servant, and of your brothers the prophets, and of those who keep the words of this book, worship God. The angel didn't want any recognition. The angel did not want worship. He pointed to Christ. And then like that, he's like the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit, when you really listen to me, listen to me. Many people say, the Spirit of God spoke to me. And then we'll rattle off something that did not point to Jesus or does not point to the Father. Look, you're wonderful. You're great. You're God's beloved. You're the apple of his eye. The whole bit, Jesus died for us. He suffered for us. But listen to me. We're just human beings. We need to make sure that when we say, when we hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, how will you know that it is the voice of the Holy Spirit? Is it pointing you to Jesus? Is it pointing you to the Father? Is the message that you believe you're hearing, does it line up with the Word of God? You see, because the Holy Spirit is the author of the Bible. How's your, I've had people come tell me, well, you know, the Holy Spirit spoke this way. I said, it's impossible. It can't be because it doesn't line up with the Word of God. How could he write one thing and tell you something else? Well, who are you going to believe? I'm going to believe what's written. Amen. Are you catching this? Yes. All right. All right. So, should we keep going? We got to seek to encourage each other to worship God, to not worship anything else. It never does any good. And, and listen, I'm talking to those of us that are in positions uh, within the ministry, positions in the church. Don't let it go to your head. Okay? Don't let it go to your head. Uh, we do the biggest disservice to people when we allow them to admire us, to put us on a pedestal. Um, sooner or later... Ask my staff, don't ask Jerry, but ask my wife. <laughs> you hang around with me long enough, you're going to see my flaws. Are you listening to me? I'm not proud of them, I'm just telling you the fact. You hang around with me long enough, you're going to see my flaws. I know some people can't take that. Some, people, some believers have a fantasy built up in their head about what people are like. You know, and so we'll go to a supermarket and bump into somebody and say, oh, you buy food too? No, we have angels that bring us groceries. You go shopping too? Yeah. We buy soap, we buy toilet paper, we buy all that stuff. Are you listening to me? Now, I, I, I feel prompted to talk about this because maybe some of you have come out of these church cultures where they treated the pastor like a king. Big throne on the platform unapproachable, you know? And all their princes, deacons, and ungodly. 
I remember hearing about one church. I won't give away any more mention than that. Had the congregation, everybody in the congregation cooked a meal for them every night of the week. I like to dress up as a bishop and go to that house with a two by four. <laughs> Have the attitude of an angel. Worship God. Don't bring recognition to people, okay? Respect is one thing. You know, when we first started the church, you know, I wasn't, I don't come, I'm not third generation pastor in my family. I'm first generation. So a lot of our friends would say, well, what are we supposed to call you? I'd say, well, call me whatever you want. <laughs> you, you want to call me Joe? Call me Joe. You want to call me pastor? Call me pastor. But, but be careful that when you need pastor, you only know me as Joe. You know what I'm saying? I'm not looking for titles or anything. But what are you going to you receive from... <laughs> The position you don't receive from the person. Are you catching this? So be real. Amen? Amen. We look for that in leadership. We look for people that are real. We don't need phonies. Third thing, angels exist to do God's will. That's it. They only exist to do God's will. The ones who refused to do God's will were cast out of heaven with Lucifer. Catching this? Angels are messengers. They reveal God's will to us. So you remember the story of Zechariah, not King Zechariah. Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist. You remember his story. I'll tell you real briefly, then we're going to pick up the rest of this next week. He and his wife were very old. They had never had a child. So John the Baptist's father, Zechariah, was one of the priests. It's his turn to be the attendant in the temple, to burn incense and do whatever the priestly duties are. And this one particular day, an angel shows up, okay? The angel Gabriel, Gabriel, L always represents God. Gabriel, messenger of God, okay? Whenever you see E-L, it's always referring to God Almighty. It's always God. El Elyon is the most high God, okay? El Shaddai is the, the God, the provider, okay? You, you, you getting this? Okay. So Gabriel, messenger of God, said to him, because... Zechariah did not believe the message of the angel. The angel said to him, now you'll be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things happen. Because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their season. And that, you can find that in Luke chapter 1, verse 20. And at once, Zechariah was unable to speak. Okay? Now, it wasn't a punishment. Okay? I, I've heard somebody foolishly teach that it was a punishment. It wasn't a punishment. It was a strategy. All right, let me just explain to you, that, and we'll go for tonight. How many remember the story of uh, the Battle of Jericho? I didn't say Jeritol, I said Jericho. <laughs> God gave instruction to Joshua to tell the people to walk around the walls and to do what? Be quiet. Why? Because their ultimate instruction was that they're supposed to shout and see the walls fall down. Okay? Now, if they had not been given commands to be silent, do you know what the conversations would have been like going around the wall? This is never going to work. Are you kidding? We're going to yell. You're going to yell. You don't, you're, you don't even have a loud voice. You're going to yell, and the walls are going to fall down. This is never going to work. This is stupid. Why does he have us walking around the walls? Yes or no? Yes. So he told them, be quiet. Don't open your mouth until the day I tell you. 
all right? Well, what do you think Zechariah would have did? If he didn't believe what the angel said, he would have went home to his wife and said, you see this crazy angel that showed up today? <laughs> Trying to tell me that we're going to have a baby at our age. He would have went home and talked himself and his wife out of that miracle. And it was too important for John the Baptist. He needed to be on the scene. John the Baptist needed to be born. And there's times that you and I need to keep our mouth shut when God speaks something to us. When you're believing God for something, you don't, you don't tell everybody everything. Don't tell everybody everything. Keep, just keep it here. Keep it between you and God. When the miracle happens, then you could say, well, this is how it worked out. Too many of us want to brag. Even about our difficulties, we want to brag. Some people think they're special because they get attacked by the devil. Oh, you see, you don't go through the attacks I go through because, you know, I have a gift. Yeah, and I'm just chopped liver, you know. You understand what I'm saying? Beware of that kind of mindset. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.